On today's episode, we take a break from work, try to focus a bit more, and we love stem cells. All that more coming up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Our Science. I'm your host, Alan Collier, and I'm joined today by Kyle Bine. Hello, hello. And Toby Mankus. Sorry. Did you say quarry? Sorry. I apologize. If you haven't heard the show before, what we do here is we take the three most popular scientific papers of the last two weeks, we break them down, get past the headlines, and let you know what's really going on in the world of science without you having to do any bit of reading whatsoever. Yeah, we are in support of illiteracy here at Our Science. Yeah. yeah. Although big, f- yeah, I mean, reading is for LeVar Burton. Why would you read when you can get LeVar Burton to read for you? <laughs> That's true. And he's blind, so I mean... <laughs> Our first paper of the day comes from Ohio State, a football team that occasionally does science. (laughs) Think leisure is a waste? That may not bode well for your mental health. And I think this is very relevant given what you two have been doing this Labor Day long weekend. I don't know what you're talking about. What did you do today, Toby? Why were you 15 minutes late to the recording today? Uh, I was, uh, I was working. Sunday afternoon, Labor Day long weekend. People, Kyle, what were you doing yesterday? I was reading. Uh Uh-huh. What were you reading? I was reading a legal document for funsies. There you go. It was was for funsies. It was was not a contract that was work-related, not at all. I really thought this was going to be directed mostly at Kyle because she's got the best work ethic of anyone on the podcast and possibly the world. Yep. Uh, but no, Toby's being looped into this too. I'm not. I am fine, which is ironic because I probably have the worst mental health of everyone. So yay. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about what it says. I mean, the title uh, pretty much sums it up pretty well. They, It's a bit of a weird way they've done it because there's a couple different like studies within the study or a couple different experiments Yeah. within the study. But they're basically comparing uh, through surveys. In the first one, 199 college students, they were asked the degree to which they believed leisure is wasteful. So just asking time spent on leisure activities is often a waste of time. I certainly don't feel that way personally. I love leisure time. I theoretically (laughs) think leisure is great. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) I don't think that it's wasted time i just think that there is other stuff i could be doing this i okay that doesn't bode well i think this is, <laughs> this is directly targeting my mom this is my mom in a nutshell my mom hates she won't she won't admit this but everyone around her knows she hates relaxing and having fun unless it's productive yeah which actually, so this, this, they, they did a couple studies. One of them was the one with like interviewing college students. But the second one was where they asked people like, what do you do to celebrate Halloween? And they, I, I thought this was really cool. And actually, yeah, I, 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 I it, it related to, I, I related to this hard where they're like, people, there were some people who like were asked to rate um, how they enjoyed their Halloween experience. And some people just did fun just for the sake of fun. And other people did stuff that would be considered fun, but had like a purpose, like taking your kids out trick or treating. And the people who like thought leisure was wasteful were actually like, they enjoyed the leisure activity that fulfills a responsibility. So like, even if, if a person who has kids is like, okay, I could take my Halloween and uh, go to a party or whatever, but that would be a waste of time. Like that would, I would get nothing out of that. I would be not productive. That would just be me enjoying myself. How dare I? But 
if I take my kids trick-or-treating, I'm having a fun time with them, and it also is fulfilling a responsibility that I have to take my kids out trick-or-treating, and all of a sudden they enjoyed that a lot more. That hit me hard, because I, I do this, like, if I can, like, fit leisure activities into uh, a responsibility I have to do, or sometimes, actually, I'm a big fan of lists, and if I have leisure time <laughs> on a to-do list, and it becomes an item that I can then cross off my list... I enjoy I'm, it more because I'm, I'm like, okay, I am. I love lists. I have lists I for everything. Lists. I currently I have, no have six different lists on my just like paper list. Like I have a list of what I need to do next week. I have a list of what I need to do this month. I have a list of what I need to do on Tuesday when I go back to work. I also have a list of what to do for specific projects. Like I have all kinds of lists because I love lists. And if I schedule in leisure time like I did that today I was like okay from this time to this time I'm gonna do like I have to vacuum and I have to clean the bathroom but also on the list is I'm going to watch an episode of this show and I did it and I crossed it off my list and I was like yeah I did a thing I was afraid that the, the bathroom cleaning was going to be the leisure activity <laughs> <laughs> no although I do find vacuuming relaxing so I do enjoy like uh, temptation bundling when like you like can only like it's like okay i'll listen to my favorite podcast but only when i'm you know doing the dishes or yeah, yeah. you know I working my, out or I, something yeah i i i do that like when i'm working out or like i take the dog for a walk and i listen to like something that is enjoyable and like by combining the two i feel like i'm like i need to walk my dog that's a responsibility i have but i want to listen to my podcast and if i do the two together it's like hey it's two and one i'm being productive yeah I my habit is I will get rid of all the stuff I have to do as fast as I can early in the morning and then like put all my productive stuff in the morning and then all my leisure stuff in the evening because I don't want to deal with I don't want to deal with something hanging over my head while I'm trying to have fun. That's what I right. Hate. Um so let's focus on the Halloween study here because I think it's the better one. So 302 yeah, I mean, online yeah, you covered a it's lot. It's a bigger. Of it. It's a bigger sample size. It's. I. I think it shows the goal of what they're trying to do a lot better too. Yeah. Like the first one is just like asking people to talk about how they feel about doing leisure things, and then, like the first one is very much like a self-assessment, but it's like a very direct question. Like, do you like having a fun time, and are you depressed? Whereas this other one is like a more roundabout way to get it, getting to that answer, which I think is actually does a better job of proving their point. The trick here is that everyone will define leisure in different ways and everyone will have fun doing things in different ways. Like mm -hmm. going back to the example of my mom, my mom will read. That will be her leisure activity or she'll do a puzzle because she's an old, old person. <laughs> I like puzzles. So are you. And <laughs> I'm an old soul. Spirit, yeah, your soul is old. And for me, those things aren't fun. And going to a party, depending on the type of party, wouldn't necessarily be that much fun. For no, me. So I may not say, yeah, well, I may, so I may say like, oh, I didn't enjoy the party as much, but it has nothing to do with me thinking leisure is a waste of time. That's just, I want to do a different thing. I'd rather like hang out with a, a closer, smaller group of friends than a big party that I don't know many people. So it's, it's a bit tricky in trying to, there's a lot of variables going on that you may not be able to account for because you can't read the person's mind. You just don't know them that well to know what you know, what's the cause of them not having fun at a certain thing. I One thing interesting that they brought up here was the idea of this being a cultural thing and being different right. in different countries. They compare America, France, and India. Mm -hmm. And in, for France, the French 
found that Le- leisure was great. Why why would leisure be a waste of time? It was it's fantastic compared to the U.S. and India, which is consistent, as they say, with cultural stereotypes. The yeah. French, you know, mm-hmm. can have a cigarette, drink some wine, eat a baguette, and I don't know whatever else French people do. Yeah. They did say, they, so they, they do also specify too, like, in, in France, people who don't like leisure still have the same bad effects, but they're just less likely to not, to find leisure wasteful. Right. Which yeah. they do say, it's, it's consistent with cultural stereotypes, because yeah, there is like this, there's a very European kind of ideal of like, relaxation and like I, I i you think of france and you think of a like having some crusty bread and cheese and a glass of wine and smoking a cigarette on a patio at sunset Wait, like we, it just it just we have a feels narrow leisurely. view of the french <laughs> yeah yeah but like that's the cultural stereotype and they're basically what they're saying is like like yeah. like based on the cultural stereotype french are less like the french are less likely to believe that like taking time for yourself and just enjoying life they're less likely to find that as a waste of time Kyle and I both described a stereotypical French situation. We both had crusty bread, wine, and a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's what they Basically. do. Basically. Well, what this what this really means to me is that if it's a learned trait, it's not just like an inherently human thing. It depends on your cultural background as to how much you might feel this way and how much it might affect you. Um, and they try to they try to put this towards mental health, and I'm not gonna say that they failed to do it. It's just that, like, it's it's correlation causation, which we'll talk about later as well a lot. It's I, I find it tough to, like, definitively say it's, this thing is leading to that thing. It could just be, you know, people who are higher stressed to begin with may just not enjoy things as much. much. Right. Yeah, or have put themselves into situations where they've got more to do. Yeah, like, it, could I, be, I, it could be a lot of things. Or, yeah, I also didn't necessarily buy, like, the the point a to point b if you think leisure is a waste of time you are more at risk of depression anxiety etc i find i would almost think at the opposite because i am a high anxiety person and therefore have a hard time not being productive you know like i would almost see it as the the opposite way people with bad mental health won't enjoy leisure as much yeah Right, because yeah. I, I because I'm because I have a, like I'm so anxious. I'm just constantly when I am having leisure time. I'm just constantly thinking of all the other stuff I can't, could be doing, and therefore I don't. I just it's not that I think it's a waste of time because objectively I know that I should take time to enjoy myself, but I can't help but think of all the other things I could be doing. There's so a lot I, of like I, yeah. I feel there's like a it, lot it, of these it like could be like flipped around almost. There's a lot of these sort of catch twenty twos or chicken and egg situations with mental yeah. health because like are you making less because you're anxious or are you anxious because you're making less? Right. I could tell y'all about how I uh, I set a bird loose in my house. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about cows and the birds. Yeah, yeah. No, on Friday. Yeah, so on Friday, uh, early in the morning, it was like seven thirty. Um, God, why were you awake? Because I have to work. Seven thirty? Was it on your list? Wake up at seven. Let bird in house. <laughs> so I, at seven thirty, like I, I woke up and I took my dog out and um, and uh, did all that, and I went down, uh, went downstairs and went out onto my front sort of patio area, and saw I was taking the garbage out. That's what I was doing, and so I, I saw a bird. Just I thought it was dead at first, but then I got closer and I saw it was like shivering or whatever, and so a bird had struck my window and fallen like down like oh. basically a full story because that's how what type my, of bird was it uh, it was a type of warbler it was like this little tiny like the size of a the size of an apricot like this 
yellow and green warbler songbird. And it was just like hunched on my patio shivering. And so I, I called um, a local re animal rehab center and they told me like, you know, put it in a box, put it in a quiet, dark place inside, let it, it's probably just concussed. Um, just give it a couple hours and then uh, bring it outside and let it see if it flies off. And if it doesn't, then call us again and we'll like get it all sorted. So I scooped, I, I got a shoe box and I filled it with towels and I scooped the bird up in a towel and I put it inside and I tucked it in like this dark corner of my of my basement with a magazine on top of it. Cause I'm like, this bird is tiny. And it, it doesn't need- What's like, to read? A, I mean, you don't want to yeah. be bored. It's a very, it's a very small bird and the shoe box has a lid. And so I just put like a magazine on top and I went upstairs and I started working. Um, and I waited a couple hours. <laughs> Uh, I came downstairs and uh, the magazine was displaced, but still on top of the shoebox. And so I picked it up and I took it outside and I opened it and nothing came out. And I started, I was like, oh no, I started rooting around on the, on the towels and there was nothing in there. And I just had this moment of, oh no, there's a very small bird that is possibly concussed loose somewhere in my house well and i want to i want to specify that your house contains two dogs and a cat yes it does well actually my first my first thought was that the cat had eaten the bird and then my yes. second thought was no okay no she's asleep upstairs the bird is loose in my house um the dog could, solo could probably eat the bird bella solo would get wouldn't... beaten up by the bird no no bella would eat the bird really Am i bella got that backwards filled okay. with murderous rage uh, okay never mind no she she devours butterflies it's a whole thing oh that's um, <laughs> actually probably the most horrible thing i've ever heard <laughs> i know but anyway so I, I went inside and i'm like scouring high and low looking for this bird like it's completely silent i'm trying to like see if i can hear it or whatever eventually i hear a slight flapping noise and it's in my basement uh and it's underneath uh my parents live in my basement because they the housing market is insane um but it's in it's in the it's in the basement. It's underneath my parents' bed, uh, and just like doing these little fluttery hops. And so I'm like, oh no, its wing is broken. But like, it's in my house. I need to get it out of my house. Um, and so I, I I went up to it, and its wing isn't actually broken. It's just it's so you can tell this bird is so confused and disoriented. It's just like flapping up in these little fluttery short bursts, just like looking around like crazy. Like I don't know where I am. I, I don't know where I am. Why am I in this house? I swear half our banner sections are people with finding wild animals. Yeah. You and Katie. <laughs> uh, and so I'm, I was trying to like scoop it up and I couldn't because every time I tried it, we just start flapping like crazy. And I'm like, I don't want to hurt this bird. It is so small. I, I just want to like scoop it gently because if I actually grab it, I'm going to hurt this bird because it's so tiny. And it flew away and it like managed to get out from underneath the bed and it just like disappeared. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a bird flying around my house. And I, I ended up, like, chasing it around my basement a little bit. Like, and eventually it fluttered over in the direction of the door. So I flung the door wide open. Uh, and it flitted towards the door. And I'm like, yes, be free. And it, like, nope, went off in another direction. Ended up in a windowsill, sitting in a potted plant, like, staring out the window, just like... <sighs> I wish I could be out there. <laughs> I, like, poked it under its feet. And it perched on it. I'm like, okay, come on. Come on. And I managed to get the stick out the door. And as soon as it was outside, it took off and flew into a bush and I didn't see it again. But there was and a solid... flew into another window. <laughs> and a hawk immediately ate it. <laughs> Our second article of the day comes from Eureka Alert. Half of adults with ADHD have a substance use disorder. And if you thought we talked about causation versus correlation in the last one, this is the king of that. There is some very interesting research being done here. 
and I have a hard time linking the two things as directly correlating with each other or causing one another, I should say. They specifically mention alcohol, cannabis, and illicit drugs more than cannabis, which isn't isn't like a knock on cannabis use. It's but there's cannabis use disorder. It's when you're really like addicted to it and dependent on it. That's what we're talking about. Just like you can have a beer and it's fine, but like you can also become addicted to it. So they just they just looked at adults uh, age 20 to 39 and found that half of adults with ADHD have a substance use disorder or SUD, which no one's ever going to use. Which is which is notably higher than the twenty three point six percent of young adults without ADHD that have a substance use disorder. So there is definitely, you know, it's definitely if you have ADHD, you're more likely to have a substance use disorder. The trick here is now saying you have a substance use disorder because of ADHD. Well, which is, frankly, ADHD is like, it's the it most. It was all the rage. It was all the rage. It is so. It was like a diagnosis that was slapped on every child. And if you look at the symptoms of ADHD, they overlap with so many other like mental illnesses and mental health problems. I, I feel like ADHD is misdiagnosed a lot. Um, and it overlaps with a lot of other disorders. Like it absolutely overlaps with like anxiety and depression and stuff. But in some cases you might not have ADHD. You might just have anxiety or, or have depression. Like it's just, it's this hot mess of symptoms that they like scrambled together so that they could just slap a label on a whole bunch of kids um it became and, an excuse a lot of the times like i yeah. got adhd yeah and and some people it do, also like you it, talk about overlapping with other diseases mental disorders and stuff it's also overlaps with just a average 12 year old a lot of the times yeah it's like oh you don't want this 12 year old to sit quietly in like a box like room for eight hours a day Oh, he gets yeah. he gets bored and restless easily. He must have a disorder. It's yeah. like, no, he's just no, he's 12. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, like, uh, children are readily, like, diagnosed with ADHD due to things like, I'm just looking up another article, things like sleeping troubles, careless mistakes, fidgeting, or forgetfulness, which, that is called being a child. Fidgeting, that is called being a child. Forgetfulness, you're a child. Yeah. Uh, kids kids are dumb. And, yeah, and sometimes so... being dumb isn't a disorder. Sometimes they're just dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just, it does not surprise me that this would be something that I would find because I feel like a lot of a lot of people diagnosed with ADHD may or may not have ADHD, but they probably also have a plethora of other disorders that they are not aware of because they've been slapped at this ADHD label and they're being treated for ADHD, but like should actually be treated for like a bipolar disorder or a mood disorder or... Um, like some sensor, sensory, uh, like some other sensory disorder or, or anxiety or depression. Like it's, it's a cofactor with so many other, I don't think cofactor is the word I want to use. It's linked to and related to so many other mental disorders that it's like, of course, of course people are going to have substance use disorders in an illness that is characterized by impulsivity and like inattention, inattention, distractibility. We should specify that ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It just, I mean, it's the attention deficit part that's like just, uh, and yeah, and and along the thread because honestly, I find this just as interesting as the actual study. And I'm not saying this is the first time it happened, but it's the first time I sort of noticed it where you do just get something sort of overdiagnosed because it's kind of the disorder du jour, 
Like it's just it's it's the thing it's the thing of the month. It's just popular, and it like I think autism went the same way with this. Everyone was labeled with autism for a couple of years, and I mean there's there's probably something else now. It's like you just go through these sort of phases of disorder, but now everything is that. It's it's just a weird sort of like psychology of psychology almost of, you know, something gets in the news and something gets some high profile cases, and all of a sudden you're diagnosing left, right, and center. Not to take anything away from the people who actually do these diagnoses, who I'm sure know better than we do, but it certainly feels like that. Yeah. And of course, there's has no link whatsoever to the pharmaceutical industry. And and also, just so I, I know um, there are some adults in my life who have recently um, like taken the ADHD tests and to determine whether or not they have ADHD. And the way they do it is, it's like a I'm, written test. I wouldn't call myself an adult. But, <laughs> but like... So, like, you have a kid who has attention problems for whatever reason. Maybe they just, maybe work, school is just not stimulating for them. Or or they, like, uh, prefer certain classes over others or whatever, and they're having a hard time paying attention in one environment. Oh. And- so, 95% of students. Yeah, exactly. And you make okay. this child sit down and do a test that they don't want to do, and they do badly on, and so you slap a label on them. When in actuality, you're doing nothing to, it's, it's you're doing nothing to address the actual, like, issue at hand and then they're it's it's just anyway it's it's a like i would have failed that test i just did, i just did an online test and my results are highly consistent with adhd yeah but i would not consider toby with adhd i think i'm closer than anybody else and me and katie hi katie she wouldn't deny that um anyways back to this particular study uh, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of numbers at you, uh, do with them what you will. Even after considering factors such as age, race, income, education, childhood adversities, and other mental illnesses, young adults with ADHD were still 69% more likely to have a substance use disorder. So this accounts for all the other different type of variables, just to clean that sentence up because it was long and boring and I don't have the attention span for it. More than one quarter of those with ADHD had a history of depression, which was much higher than those without ADHD, which 11%. There's no chance... In hell, that the average population is only eleven percent depressed. But I th- I'm assuming that I'm assuming that's like actually diagnosed. You're probably right, but I even clinical, I guarantee more than eleven percent of the population is clinically depressed. Oh yeah, it's like, I'd, it's a, I'd say at least it's like seventy percent. It's like eleven percent <laughs> people aren't depressed. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so then they go into childhood maltreatment and how it may disrupt emotional regulation in the neurodevelopment of children which may predispose them to later developing substance dependence. In other words, and, and, and they, this is them kind of lampshading or acknowledging that there's not necessarily a, a, a causation here. Like, you may have a child who's got ADHD. That child may have more needs and more desires or just be, frankly, more annoying. And that's not a negative. That's just, you know, how sometimes adults will treat them. That child is then more likely to be maltreated. That maltreatment then creates a neurodevelopment issue or just kind of messes the kid up and then he has a substance dependence. Like, there's a path perhaps, but it's not necessarily a a point A to point B. There's a lot of different ways that, you know, having ADHD, maybe you're just not as satisfied in school. So then you're like, well, I'm going to hang out with the kids who don't do well at school. And then, you know, I'm told that those kids do drugs. I haven't done, my high school is boring, but my, in my high school, the bad kids just did a different type of math. (laughs) <laughs> the forbidden maths honestly i think the more interesting takeaway from this data set is those the uh 
percentage of adults with adverse childhood experiences because so this is not a the data was drawn from a, a Canadian mental health survey so it was a national study, 270 people uh, who responded had ADHD and 6,602 uh, did not have ADHD that responds to the survey. So 270 people uh, with ADHD, not like, what is that? That amounts to of all the respondents doing some math, 270, about six. Put her on the spot. Put her on the spot. This is all being kept in so we can see how quickly Kyle does math. 4%. 4% of the respondents. 4%. 4%. So of, no way that four percent of, of people have ADHD. It's way higher than that. It's gotta be. Well, I'm assuming this is just who responded to the survey, though. So the rest. Yeah, of them, but if it's the, the rest of them weren't paying attention. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like of this sample set, so 270 respondents, 35 percent of them had been physically abused. Yeah, that's insane. 11 percent of them had been sexually abused. Like that's that's really, that's not really great. Horrible. That's more interesting to me than the substance abuse thing. And I think, like, and then the, I, I don't know, like, it's, that to me seems more likely to be the reason for the substance abuse. Is that if you have 270 people who answered a survey and 35% of them have been physically abused and then half of that population has, like, a, a substance use disorder, like, I'm not thinking that ADHD is the cause, like, ADHD might, like, as you said, Alan, contribute to and I, that's horrible to say. It doesn't contribute to why they're physically abused. It contributes to the attitudes of people who are terrible to them. That is that a better way to say it? Yeah. Like if you're like if you're super hyperactive, maybe it's you're slightly more. Let's let's compare this. So Kyle just very very nicely and very well put said that it might contribute to the opinions of the adult, the people around them. Or I'm paraphrasing something like that. I believe that I phrased it earlier as they might be more annoying. I'm trying to avoid saying that ADHD would contribute to a child being physically abused because that is not at all the fault of the child. It is right, absolutely no, a yeah. fault of the person doing the physical abuse. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, but, like, so, like, I can kind of see, like, as you said, like, there's, like, a, a thread to it. But, like, I think it's more interesting that people with ADHD are more likely to be abused. Like, that's... That's really, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. That's really troubling. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, a, that that's should a be whole... a study in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Our third and final article of the week comes from the new scientist, kind of. Tiny <laughs> human brain grown in lab has eye-like structures that see light. Oh, this is, there's a lot going on here. But first of all, I'm going to address the fact that I say the new scientist kind of because I apparently have run out of my free articles from the new scientist. So I went to a Eureka alert. Where'd you guys go? Uh, I Googled the title and got an article from the Smithsonian. Uh, I got from Science Alert. All right. So we're pulling from some different sources. Really? The Smithsonian? Yeah. Uh, Smithsonian, Smithsonian, uh, Smithsonian mm -hmm. Magazine. There we go. Okay. Is it affiliated with the Smithsonian? Let me see. I would assume. We have the fun task here of, of, of defining the term brain and eye. <laughs> but first, I'll really quickly go over... This is using stem cells, although it's important to point out... All right. It's important to point out human-induced pluripotent stem cells, which, uh, long story short, these are not taken from embryos. These are taken from, uh, from big boys. Yeah, from somatic cells, so like your body cells. Yeah, stem cells are just for definitions like stem cells are cells in the body that can become effectively they can become anything when they come from an embryo 
when you when you take them from an, an embryo, they can become literally anything. When you take them from an adult, usually they can only become very specific types of cells. So what they've done here is they've taken, they've, they've actually found a way, and uh, this is really cool that they've been able to do this, is found a way to take these adult cells, which normally would be able to, they're like a, a blank slate cell that would only be able to differentiate into a specific thing. And they found a way to take these out of adults and let, and kind of revert them so that they can turn into anything again. Yeah. Which was the 2012 um, Nobel Prize. Yes. For doing this. Everyone remember that definition because we'll be returning to stem cells later in the program. I guarantee it. But first, let's talk about, well, it's not even first, like third now, but let's talk about brain organoids. Did any of your articles explain what a brain organoid is? Because mine didn't. Uh, yes, it did sort of, mine sort of explained thank, organoids. Thank you, Smithsonian. Yes. Let us all listen to Kyle. An organoid is a small three-dimensional tissue culture that replicates an organ. So it's not a proper organ. An organ is a collection of cells that serve a, it, it, they make up different, um, uh, types of, of cell types and they have a very specific function you know your brain is an organ that does the thinky thoughts and the movement and your heart is an organ that does the thump thump an organoid okay. is something that it's it's a cluster of cells that replicates that function but it is not actually an organ yeah yes it's a fake organ it's a, it's a fake organ. it's yeah it's a it's a it's organ light diet organ grow, grown in the lab this is the president's choice organ. <laughs> with that in mind, let's now talk about eyes, because the whole theory here is that with a combination of the stem cells, which Kyle so nicely described, and the combination of a brain organoid, which Kyle so nicely described, we can, I say we, they can now create eye-like structures. And yeah, not so much create as they're grown. You can trick the brain organoid into growing optic cups. And the optic cup is the part of your eye that holds the retina. I mean, it's, it's the cup part of your eye. Yeah, it's like, I went on this, on this weird rabbit hole. It's like, what is the optic cup? Oh, it's part of the optic disc. What's the optic disc? And it's down in yeah. there. Yeah, eyes are resty super cool. I love eyes. But doesn't matter because this is an eye in the most broadest sense of the term. Which is not, like, this isn't Ragnar or anything. It's just... It's it's not like it's got it's not like it's got googly eyes now. It's it's. I oh, can I just point out that this looks damn delicious. This looks like a. Excuse me. The photos and all these like and the new scientists everything, just me. It doesn't yeah, no, look like you. chocolate chip cookies and like a. Well, I, a I can kind of see that. I don't care what you're talking about. If it's just a, a a thing with eyes, it looks goofy as fuck, and this thing looks super goofy all the time. It looks like it would be the main character in a Pixar short. Yes. <laughs> Even in the graphical, like, abstract they do, it's all these scientific diagrams, and then someone just stuck eyes on them. <laughs> that, yeah, the graphical abstract, you're right, that looks less it's, delicious and more just adorable. very cute. Yeah, Yeah, it is very cute. But it's also not eyes. They're light, they're light sensitive cells. Right. Which are, like, the precursor to eyes, basically. If you look evolutionarily, what happened... Or just even embryonically, just like the development, it's like part of the, yeah. You you start with cells that can deck the difference between light and dark, and then you kind of go from there. But that's like the first step on the path to eye-dumb. Yeah, like I tried to read the, the actual paper, and it's like I couldn't get one sentence into the abstract. I'm like, this is, like, okay, this is, I, I don't get this. But, so, shout out to, like, Science Alert for making me understand it. It actually does a, a pretty decent job of kind of explaining it. When I first saw this, like when you first told me about this article, Alan, I thought, my first thought, and I actually remember the first time we recorded this, this episode, I remember saying, like, why are we growing human brains? This is so unnecessary. Like, what's the purpose? Actually, after reading this, I'm like, oh, this is actually super cool. Because, like, 
it's it's allowing us to understand eyes and how they grow and develop which actually if we can, if we can understand like how eyes develop uh like embryonically we can actually like understand different uh congenital eye disorders so like disorders of the eye that are present from birth we know how the eye develops we can like actually know what goes wrong in that process and therefore like how can we help people who are 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 born with retinal disorders or even help like once they are already have this disorder if there's a way to treat it like it's it's got a lot of like therapeutic like even just like yeah trans- um, even like transplants and things yes, like that like, like we if, if we could grow eyeballs and then give them to people that'd be super cool i would be first in line my eyes are terrible that, that is the end point for this that everyone who's looking at this headline even if you just have a cursory knowledge of it is like okay does this mean we can grow eyeballs for blind people and the answer is not yet the answer is no but we're it's it's again it's on that path yeah, we're working right? on it yeah um, and it's, it's, it's linked to other things too, because it also helps us study brain-eye interactions during embryo yeah. development. Okay, let's talk about stem cells. Because stem cells Yay. are really, really cool. They're like the coolest thing, and they have, they're, they're like master, they're sometimes called master cells of like, they can do anything. You can take a stem cell and grow into any type of cell you want. And that is like so cool, because you can grow all these different types of organs in a lab and then give them to people who don't have those organs. Again, you have the trouble of the body sometimes rejects it, but it's still better than nothing. And like the potential of that is huge and we don't do anything with it. And it drives me mad <laughs> because most of this, the reason is most of the stem cells come from embryos and people for some reason don't like harvesting things from embryos. Well, I feel like that, that, that was the, I feel like the pluripotent, like adult stem cells are now a lot more common. The thing is, though, embryonic stem cells don't, and and this is like the uh, an argument people use all the time. They don't actually result from abortion. They're they're like a result of like an in vitro fertilization procedure. Like like women donate eggs, men donate sperm. They stick them together in a test tube and they get an embryo. And then like like it's not, it's it's not a viable like form of life. It's not gonna grow up. It's not gonna live. It's not gonna. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, to be fair, most actual humans aren't viable forms of life. But So that's all the time we have today. If you want to look at our googly eyes, then you can check us out on Twitter at OurSciencePod. It's OurSciencePod on Twitter. I've said that sentence so many times, it has lost all meaning. That sounds like a euphemism. If you want to see our googly eyes? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how. It just, it just... If there's any part of, of your, whoever you are, genitalia <laughs> or sexual organs that you would describe as googly... <laughs> seek medical attention yeah like and subscribe and then seek medical yeah, attention yeah 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 we're gonna just kind of bypass the whole like subscribe follow thing cause yeah you need to get that looked at you can like and subscribe in the waiting room <laughs> yeah there you go for Toby and Kyle I was your host Alan Collier and we'll see you again in two weeks bye <laughs>